Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Um, I'm excited to preach tonight, continue on Romans 8, Life in the Spirit. And um, I know a few of you might have not have been here last week. I was going to try to preach all of Romans 8 in one week, in one session, but I couldn't do it. I actually stopped halfway through. So you can um, open up to Romans 8. We're sharing about life in the Spirit. That is the best life. We shared how life in the Spirit leads to freedom how Jesus always wants to lead us to freedom, and life in the Spirit always leads you home to the Father. We talked about that, and tonight we're going to start in verse 18. I want to just share a little bit about what I shared last week. My dad loved a definition I gave, and I I just went after it right from verse 1, but I gave a definition for um, the flesh, and he says that, you know, I've never heard anyone define it that way, but he thought it was the perfect definition for the flesh. And... um, Um, God actually showed it to me from Romans 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Say, in Christ Jesus. And then it says, Who do not walk according to the flesh. So the flesh, the way I define the flesh, and he loved the definition, and it works whenever you see the term flesh used throughout the New Testament. Um, the, The flesh is anything outside of Jesus. So just the, 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 the most basic, simple definition of flesh, and I've heard people say a lot of things about the flesh and really preach about the flesh a lot, but really the flesh is anything outside of Jesus. So um, a lot of people think the flesh just means to be like the world, but um, a lot of times when Paul is talking about the flesh, he's talking about trying to reach God outside of Jesus, reach God maybe according to religion or tradition or according to, to, to the law of Moses. And, um, you know, the flesh, it's anything outside of Jesus. So even, even though there are people today that are very separate from the world, you know, and a lot of times when people preach about the flesh, they're, they're, they're really urging to be people, you know, to be separate from the world. But there are a lot of people who are very separate from the world but are very fleshy. They're very much out of Christ Jesus. And I use the Taliban as, as an example. They are very much separate from the world. They are more separate from the world than probably anyone here tonight. You know, no cell phones, no Facebook, no Netflix, no you know, no women going to school, no, you know, like they are very separate from the world, but they are complete flesh, right? And no flesh is going to experience the glory of God. So the flesh is anything outside of Christ Jesus. And, and um, t- to walk in the Spirit, to have a life in the Spirit, all starts being with, you know, it starts being with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Amen. So let's go to verse 18. And, um, I'm just sharing about what Paul's revelation of how to live this life in the Spirit and what it, just how, how amazing it is. It, it, it's full of freedom. It leads us to the Father. And my next point here, um, beginning of verse 18, is that life in the Spirit always leads us to glory. To glory. That's a powerful word. You know, uh, Pentecostal people, when they get really excited, they shout, glory! Right? And some of you are Pentecostal people here tonight. So if you want to shout, glory! You can shout glory. And um, glory, it's a powerful word. And um, I love a way my dad, Pastor Lawson, defines it. He, he defines the glory of God as the presence, the power, and the purpose of God. The presence, the power, and the purpose of God. So life in the Spirit is what leads us to God's presence, to his power, and to the purpose of God. And, and God wants his glory to shine in us and through us. Amen. He glorified Jesus, and he wants us to be lifted up with Jesus. 
And I love what Paul writes in Romans 5, 17. He said, if for by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You know, God wants us to reign in life through Jesus. And it always takes two things to reign in life. It takes the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And I love I love those terms, the abundance, say the abundance of grace. Whenever you see grace anywhere throughout the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, especially in the life of Jesus, whenever grace is present, it's always in abundance. Grace, there is no such thing as partial grace or a little bit of grace or a percent. It's always an abundant thing. Amen? When God gives, it's always abundantly. God is not holding out. A lot of people have this kind of mentality that God is holding back. He's holding out. Maybe he's good to them. Maybe he's good to Pastor Lawson. Maybe he's good to whoever, but he's holding out for some reason with me. God, whenever he gives grace, he always does it in abundance. He's not holding out. If he gave you Jesus, he would give you anything. Amen? The abundance of grace, and I love this, the gift of righteousness. Say the gift of righteousness. Righteousness, meaning right standing with God, meaning being just able to to have that right, to go right into his throne room, it can only be given as a gift. It's not something that you can earn as like a paycheck. It can only be given as a gift because it is so valuable. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Amen? So the glory of God, the manifest presence, power, and purpose of God. I love that. God wants us to to experience his glory. He wants us to experience his presence, experience his power, and and, and to know his purposes. And the the, the way you access the glory of God is always through Jesus. It's always to exalt Jesus. And I, I, love, I love incredible worship. You know, when, when worship is really all about Jesus, just, just the focus is completely on Jesus. The words, the, the congregation, the musicians, the, just everything, you can feel his presence. How many of you love that? How many can experience God's presence? You can, you can feel that during worship. That's because it's, it's being pointed at Jesus. Maybe sometimes you're reading the Bible or hearing great teaching and you can just, you just feel like God's, like you could just punch through a wall. You just feel like you're so encouraged, so strengthened, so like Jesus is with me. And that, that's whenever Jesus is, is just being exalted, that's how we experience the glory of God. Amen? So here in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to, com- to be compared with the glory. Say, the glory, glory. which shall be revealed in us. That, that's, a, that's a powerful statement where he's saying the glory will, is going to be revealed in us. There's something, I, he says, I know there's something in us, but there's going to be more revealing of what is in us. There's going to be more revealing of Jesus on the inside. There's going to be more re- revealing of the presence of God, the power of God, and the purposes of God. And he's saying you're, you're going to experience that there are sufferings that go on in, in the world because the world is not perfect. How do you realize the world is not perfect? I just had a conversation with my nine-year-old son before church. You know, you're, you're learning the world is not perfect, and people are not perfect, and you might be mistreated from time to time. And you're going to need to learn how to just handle difficult situations, and I can't solve every difficult situation for you. And I gave an example of some difficult situations I had to deal with as a fourth grader. And I said, you know what, I had to learn how to toughen up and to move on and just trust God. 
And um, he's saying that there, there are difficulties, there are sufferings, and, 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 and those sufferings are not from God. They're just from being in a world that's been affected by sin and affected by Satan. This world is not a perfect place. Uh, verse 19, he says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So he's saying, actually, all of creation has been affected by sin and Satan. All of creation is, is actually waiting for, for, for Jesus, waiting for, for this complete revealing of, of the glory of God. Of, of All of creation is, is waiting for this. And um, I love a certain translation. It's done by J.B. Phillips. He said, the whole creation is on tiptoe. This eagerly wait is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. So all of creation, even though Adam sinned, it affected all of creation. It didn't just affect people coming out. It affected really even the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. It affected, you know, that there are hurricanes, there's earthquakes, there are, you know, even, you know, one of my favorite trees, this beautiful crabapple tree that I have in my backyard, it, it got a blight. It had blight. That's an Old Testament word. It's in the King James. It's part of the curse, but it got blight. And we hired someone to come cut the blight out two years ago, and last year it did really well, but then this year the blight came back and the tree got hit by hail, and it's just like like that, that tree was gone. But that tree didn't want to die. That tree was on tiptoe waiting to be redeemed, but... um, it didn't make it. Maybe I'll see it in heaven someday. I don't know. <laughs> there will be trees in heaven. There will be animals in heaven. But even, even animals, that there's a redemption that will occur to the animal kingdom. If you think about it, uh, in the Garden of Eden, you know, um, cats and dogs got along. They didn't try to fight each other. or you know. And, and in heaven, it says, that, you know, the, the lion will sit with the lamb. There's going to be a complete redemption of creation. And... Um, um, verse 20, 21, it says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. God, God is not the author of corruption. Anything, anything that, wherever you see corruption, which, which according to the Greek, it means destruction, perishing, decay, ruin, whenever you see that in your own life, in your friend's life, in your family, you know, in even, even your, your favorite crabapple tree with its beautiful blossoms that got blight, whenever you see corruption, that is not from God. God is not the author of corruption. There is a bondage of corruption, but God is going to break all of that bondage of corruption from, from our lives, from, from, from everything in creation, that, that bondage of corruption will be broken. God is the creator. He is the author of life. He is not the author of destruction. Whenever you see rust on your vehicle or you know a squeaky hinge, that, that's not God that is causing that. Corruption is not from God. Amen? Decay, destruction, ruin, loss, theft, death, pain, suffering, sickness, blight, that is not from God. And it's, there's a bondage of corruption, but God has a plan of deliverance into glorious liberty of the children of God. The children of God will be a great part of that. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. He's saying there's something on the inside of us, something that, that can be revealed now, but it's going to be revealed even more and more. 
the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So he's saying we're re- waiting for the redemption of our body. I was thinking about this, the redemption of our body. You know, when, when you believed on Jesus, you were redeemed, you are being redeemed, and you will be redeemed. Redemption and salvation, it's, a, it's an eternal thing. So it's a past thing, it's a present thing, and it's a future thing. So sometimes in Scripture you see that you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's not saying you're not saved. It's saying that salvation, you were saved, but it's also an ongoing thing, and it will be a future thing. You said, well, how does, how does that work? Well, while your spirit was saved, you, you were, the, the life of Christ, the spirit of Christ was placed in you. Your spirit went from darkness to light. The moment you, you believed on Jesus, the moment that, that the Holy Spirit just worked in your heart, worked in your life, you, you, were, you, you were saved, but you are being saved. That's why you need to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be like this world. There's corruption in this world. If you think like the world, you're going to experience corruption in your thoughts, corruption in your life. That's why you have to renew your mind. Redemption, it's a present thing. It's an ongoing thing. But it's also a future thing, right? The redemption of our body. So, so salvation happened in your spirit. It's happening currently in your soul. That's why you need to, to go to church, to be in the word, to, to renew your mind. If you, if you stop renewing your mind, if you just go with the flow, you're not going to flow in the right direction. Because all creation is flowing in the wrong direction. This world, it, maybe, maybe you haven't been around too much, but if you open your, if you just go outside for one hour, you kind of realize, go shopping, you know, you realize things aren't flowing in the right direction. So you need to be, like, even more so as we see the day approaching. Come together. Be in the Word. Be, be, be around people of faith. Be around people who, who prioritize, you know, that we need to think right and act right and live right and live for Jesus, amen? And salvation is also a future thing. The redemption of our body will be given a, a body that isn't affected by corruption, that won't, that won't decay, that won't get tired, that won't have to deal with some of the things like you want to deal with. In heaven, you'll be given a new body. So you can say amen to that. Amen. You, you'll have a body that you can just eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You won't gain a pound. You won't, you know, Rogaine will be out of business. I think, I think my phone somehow knows that I'm, you know, a, approaching, you know, a certain age and I get all these ads for hair, hair loss and stuff. And, now, because I said hair loss, I'll probably get like 100 ads for Rogaine tomorrow. The, the, your, your body will have no, no corruption, no decay, no... Amen? The redemption of our body. So, we have been saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. And, and redemption, I love thinking about this, redemption, it's an eternal thing. It's an eternal thing, past, present, and future. You know, um, a while back I went through Hebrews, preached a series on Hebrews, how Jesus makes everything better. He's even going to make, make your body better. You won't even have to work out. You won't have to go for a run. You can, you know, I saw a guy who ate a crumble cookie, and he said this cookie has 800 calories, and he's, he's I'm going to run and watch my app to see how long it takes me to, to run this crumble cookie off. He ran for six miles. 
to, to you know, with his age and his weight and whatever. It took him six miles to run, to burn this crumble cookie, and he said, it's not worth it. <laughs> you know, in high school, I worked at Baskin-Robbins. Here's just a little sidetrack for you. So for some of you who feel guilt about and condemned about, you know, eating that crumble cookie before church or the, those brownies that you had in the foyer, and, man, I need to go run, run some laps around church here. So when I, when I was in high school, I worked at Baskin-Robbins, and every now and then there'd be a customer who's just, like, torn between getting one scoop or two scoop. And I, I said, you've you got to go for two scoops. Yes, it's more calories, but I, I, I speak the truth to you. You burn calories when you sleep. You do. It's science. You burn calories when you sleep. You know, you're breathing. Maybe you're flopping over a little. Like, you burn calories when you sleep, so just sleep a little more. <laughs> Get that second scoop and just sleep a little more. I should have been a professional marketer or something. You know, I, I could have been a great salesperson. Hebrews 9.12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. I love that. Jesus, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. I love that, eternal redemption. The, the, the blood of the new covenant, this new covenant that we have as believers, it's an eternal covenant. There won't be a new, uh, a new newer covenant. There's not going to be any sequels. Like what Jesus did was it. How do you hate, like, when you, you like a really good movie and you think that's it, but then they come out with, like, a sequel and they just ruin it? Like, you can't do better than what Jesus did on the cross when he got up out of the grave, when he was... You can't... There can't be a sequel to that. There can't be a sequel to our redemption that we have through his blood. It's an eternal redemption. Amen? So this, the life in the Spirit through Jesus Christ always leads us to glory. The presence, the power, and the purpose of God. That's the glory of God, and it's always found through Jesus. Always found through lifting up Jesus. Amen? All right, verse 24. This takes me into the next point I have for you, which is the life in the Spirit. It always gives us hope. You know, there's one, um, one instance in the New Testament where it calls us prisoners of hope. When, when you're in Christ, you're just always going to hope. There, you, you can't lose hope because you have Jesus. And, and life in the Spirit always gives us hope. Let's look here at verse 24. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? So Paul, he saw a lot of great things. He saw a lot of miracles. He saw a lot of, uh, of the revealing of what was inside of him. Amen. He saw that more than most people, but he was still eager, still excited, still hoping for, for even more. He's saying that there are things that I haven't seen that I'm excited to see. And um, I love Paul's prayers. Whenever he prays, he always asks God to give people a knowledge and a revelation of what's on the inside of them, of what Jesus has already done for them, and just grow in that knowledge, grow in that relationship with Jesus. Even Peter you know, talks about the same thing in 2 Peter I want to read 2 Peter um, chapter 1, starting verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, 
God's given us things that pertain to life, and God does not give corruption. He does not give defeat. He does not give decay. He does not give blight. He does not, amen? He only gives us life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory. Say glory. glory. And virtue, by which have been giving to, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I love it. Peter had that same revelation that Paul did. You know, there is corruption that's in this world. It is the result of sin. But with Jesus on the inside of us, God is going to keep giving us life, keep giving us godliness, keep giving us more of his nature, and more and more of that will be revealed. Amen? So we are saved in hope. Back to Romans 8, 24. We were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So this is a a godly type of hope. A godly type of hope, there's an eagerness for it. There's a, you you just can't wait to see it. You're you're excited, you're anticipating, you know it's going to happen, you're standing on your tiptoes waiting for it. It's like when I tell my two-year-old daughter I'm going to get her an ice cream, she's like on her tiptoes. She's eager for that thing. This is the kind of hope that we had, just this eagerness. And um, it's something that that perseveres as well. It doesn't just go away. We can persevere. We're excited about it. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's saying that there are times where we have weaknesses, where we're dealing with difficulties, where we might be be experiencing difficulties ourselves on the inside of us, but we have the Holy Spirit who's going to help us. Life in the Spirit. And I love that. um, It says the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. That In the Greek, that means the Holy Spirit will actually get down in the pit with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever, whatever you're experiencing, whatever... You're not on your own. The Holy Spirit will actually get right there. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of your situation. He's not afraid of your circumstance. He's not afraid of the, whatever you're facing right now. He's not afraid. and He'll actually get there and, and intercede with you. He'll help you get out of that pit. Amen? He'll make intercession for us. Uh, I remember when I was 18, I went to college, and I, I was just going through a really tough time. I was thinking about moving back, just kind of giving up on my goals at the time. And my dad said, you know, what you need to do is just pray in tongues for 30 minutes a day. Just do that for a period of time. And, and God, God will show you what to do. And um, as, I, as I did that, I, I um, you know, I, I was going to school at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. It, it was like going to school in the middle of Babylon. You know, they, they would show, it, it wasn't, there weren't that many faith-filled people around me. The, the, just a very, a very, ungodly, very worldly place. Like, they would show porn in the university center every week. Like, it was just, just a very disgusting kind of, you know, environment. And, um, uh, but I, I would, I'd find time, I, I'd, I, uh, was able, I was able to kind of sneak down into the, the storage basement of, of this, the music building, and I'd just go down there, you know, during my lunch break, and for 30 minutes I'd just pray in tongues, I'd sometimes sing in tongues. I'd, I'd do that at least 30 minutes a day. And um, I, something started happening inside of me. I, I was being built up. 
right? Jude says, build yourselves up in, in your most holy faith by praying in tongues. Man, I was just being built up. I was just being encouraged. And, um, man, I, I, was just, I was just being built up in Christ. It wasn't about me. Like, I was able to look at the big picture and just see what God was doing and what he had put on the inside of me. Even though everything was really dark and depressing and a lot of corruption in the world through lust was around me, I, I, was, I was, man, it's like, like a, I, I was able to see like this, this nuclear energy on the inside of me that, that just wouldn't decay, that wouldn't be defeated, that wouldn't be. And um, man, God, God just, um, man, if some of you are just feeling like beat up and defeated and I don't know what to do, I, go, go pray in tongues 30 minutes a day. Just do it. And if you haven't received, you know, that spiritual prayer language, you, you need to do that. If you, if you feel like you're defeated and just constantly decaying and perishing and just exhausted and just beat up by the devil all the time, you, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to, to pray in tongues. And by praying in tongues, you're going to be built up in the Spirit. And, and you're, it's, it's, it's amazing. So after, after service, uh, don't, don't leave without that, okay? Amen. Um, verse 27, it says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And... Um, I kind of glanced on this idea a little bit last week, but I want to explain it a little bit more. When you come to Jesus, he's able to, to change your past. So even if you had a very difficult past, a very tough past, a very, you know, you made a lot of wrong decisions, when you come to Jesus, he doesn't just redeem you in that moment. He's actually able to, to buy back your past mistakes and somehow turn it around. This, this is a miracle type thing, and you can see, hey, even though I screwed up, even though I made a bad decision, I can see how God turned that thing around and, and, and used it for his purpose. So, so he, he doesn't just redeem you at that moment and, and into the future. He's actually able to start working on some things that happened in your past and, and somehow turn it around. Say, turn it around. So God is, if you're a believer, God is not done turning things around in your life. Maybe, maybe difficult things that have happened to you that are currently happening, maybe it's things that you screwed up. In. God's able to turn it around. You know, my, my wife here, Heather, you know, her, she, she shared this story, but her mom got pregnant, you know, out of wedlock. And she was young and didn't know what to do. She, she was contemplating an abortion. And um, she, she opened up to her father. And, and her father isn't, doesn't quite always think. Like he's, he, he, he's a very liberal. He's extremely liberal, extremely you know, Democrat, like never voted for a Republican in his life. And, and I know when we go to Tennessee, Around the holidays, I don't bring up political things around her grandpa, but, but she talked to, you know, Heather's mom talked to her dad, and he said, you know, you need to have this child. You need to have this baby. And this is Heather Purdue. 
who this, this very liberal, very different kind of thinking person that somehow God was able to, to work through him, speak through him, and, and even though it was a, a bad situation, God turned things around. And he was able to work something that, that wasn't looking that good, that wasn't in the best environment, that wasn't even in the best home environment, and God turned it around. And here, you know, I have Heather as my wife, and we have her at this church, and she's just kicking the devil's butt left and right. So the devil might think he, he won a little battle or whatever, but, but God's able to turn it around and just kick his butt with it. So when you come to, like, God, God is able to turn those things around. So say, turn it around. Turn it, God, God is not done turning things around. Amen. And, and I don't always know how he's going to do it, but he's still... He can still be turning things around. Amen? Verse 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. So I, I love that. You know, when you, when you believe on Jesus, you, you're... You have to believe on Jesus, but the moment you believe on Jesus, it's like you were predestined to do so. Amen? Our, our, we have a choice in it. You have to call upon Jesus. You have to believe on Jesus. That is, that is your choice. But the moment you do so, it, it just shifts your, your entire destiny. It's like your entire cosmos is just shifted. Amen. And God's able to work out redemption, past, present, future in your life. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So I, I, I believe that the moment you believe on Jesus, you're predestined unto salvation. If you haven't called upon Jesus, if you haven't believed on him, you're, you're, your destiny isn't going to a good place. Right? You're, you're actually destined for a place called hell. Without Jesus, you, you are, you're on a road of corruption. You're on a highway to hell. Heather and I, when we got married, um, we spent the first couple nights at the Broadmoor, and we ate at uh, Edelweiss. And Edelweiss, it's a German restaurant here in town on the southwest side of town, and they have a little um, German Bavarian band that plays there sometimes with, you know, accordions and this little percussionist, and, and they came up to our table and, and uh, they asked us, what, what should uh, we play for y'all? And, and Heather knows a lot more music than I know. You know. I just know like classical stuff, but we just said, just play whatever you want. And they started playing with their accordion and their umchuk, umchuk, polka kind of music. They started playing Highway to Hell. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was kind of funny, this polka style. Highway to hell. You know, God, and God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants to change everyone's destiny. Amen. He wants to change. He's not willing that any should perish. That's, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. But the only way to do so is through Jesus. The only way to escape the corruption that's in the world through lust is through Jesus Christ. And there is salvation in no other name. And the moment you believe on Jesus, you're, you're on a different highway. You're on a highway to heaven. 
and it's a much better highway. You're predestined. These he also called. So we, that word called, that means to have a purpose, to have a, a direction, to have a, a, a calling, an anointing, a things to do. We can hear from him and he can lead us. Whom he called, these he also justified. I love that. Justified. When, when, you, when you call on Jesus, it's not that just your sins are wiped away, but you're, you're justified. You're given righteousness. When you, salvation, grace isn't just about freeing you. It also transforms you. Right? So, so believing on Jesus, it, it wipes away sin. It wipes away what held you back. It wipes away corruption. It wipes away Satan's power in your life. It, it wipes that stuff away. But you're not just given a clean slate. You're not just given a blank canvas. Right? You're actually given something. You're transformed. You are, you are in Christ. And a lot, of, a lot of believers understand, yeah, my, my past was wiped away, but they don't realize that they were, they were in Christ. They were put in the same vehicle as Jesus Christ. They were put in the spirit. They were put in life with Jesus Christ. So you're not living life on your own. You're actually transformed into a new creation. So grace, it frees you. Grace transforms you. And not only that, grace empowers you. Grace empowers you to do what God has called you to do. So if he has made you righteous, he hasn't just forgiven you, but he's given you righteousness. He's given you the righteousness of Jesus. He didn't just set you free from depression. He gave you the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Amen. He didn't just take you from the outside where you're lonely, you're out. Like he, he, get, he placed you inside his family, made you a son, made you a daughter. And not only that, he, he doesn't just call you son, call you daughter. He places his spirit of adoption inside of you. So you know, hey, I'm not lonely. I'm not forgotten about. I'm not that I have, I have something on the inside of me that knows I belong. This spirit of adoption that's crying out, Abba, Father. So we're, we are set free. Grace frees us. Grace transforms us. And grace empowers us. It fuels us to do everything his, that God has called us to do. He's justified us. In whom he justified, these he also glorified. So he's not just saying that Jesus is glorified, but he's saying because Jesus is in you, that you have a destiny with him, you have a calling with him, you have a justification because of him, you get to partake of his glory. You get to experience his presence. You get to experience his power. You get to experience his purpose in your life. That's really awesome. Life in the Spirit leads us to glory. Life in the Spirit is not going to lead you away from the presence of God. It's not going to lead you away from the power of God. It's not going to lead you away from the purpose of God. Now, that's why as believers, we want to go. We want, we're, we're drawn to places that, where you can experience the presence of God. We're drawn to places where you can see the power of God. We're drawn to it. It's like, something, it's like a, a magnet on the inside of us. And we, we love the presence of God. We love the power of God. We love the purpose. We love being somewhere where we know God, it's not just a, man, a man's idea, but it's a God idea. If this church was just man's idea, it, 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 wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be here right now. I can tell you that. I know that, that from behind the scenes that God, God is doing things here. 
He has done things. He is doing things. He will do things. I know that his glory is in this place. His glory is on this house. Amen? And I, I, know, I know his grace is here too. All right, last point for you tonight. Verse 31. Life in the Spirit makes us super victorious. Not just a little bit victorious, but super victorious. Say super victorious. Verse 31. What then shall we say? I love that. Paul, Paul said some things. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? This makes me think of the time that the, the, the Israelites were getting close to the promised land and they sent the 12 spies. And, and 10 spies had a negative report, but two spies had a different report. And I love the report that Joshua gave in Numbers 14. You can flip over there if you want, Numbers 14, verse 8. You know, the negative report was, you know, that yeah, the land, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. These grapes, they're huge. They're the size of oranges. The, you know, this is, this is a super abundant land, but there's giants in the land. They're going to eat us. We're going to be destroyed. We're going to be stepped on like grasshoppers. But Joshua said something really interesting. He had the same spirit of faith. which is a spirit of, of victory. Joshua said this in Numbers 14, verse 8. He said, if the Lord delights in us, he's saying if God, if God is for us, it doesn't matter if the giants are 6 foot tall, 10 foot tall, 20 foot tall, 50 foot tall. If God is for us, who can be against us? If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. I love that. He's saying God is going to turn some things around. These giants that you're, you're afraid of, that you're just crying about, they're going to be our bread. They're actually going to nourish us. We're going to beat them up, we're going to devour them, and we're going to go on and conquer even more. And I love, I love you know, reading through the book of Joshua, because you just see just going from victory to victory to victory. Joshua had this mentality that if the Lord delights in us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? So Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely, say freely, give us all things? All things that pertain to life and godliness, all these promises of God, they can only be given freely. They can only be given through Jesus. You cannot earn them. You cannot work for them. And he's saying if God gave us Jesus, he's not holding out on you. So if you have that kind of mentality, I, I just think God is just holding out on me for whatever. You need to get rid of that mentality. That mentality, that's not the right mentality. That's not an in Christ type of mentality. Amen. God is not holding back. He, he cares about you. He loves you. He, he wants to, to take care of you. Amen. He's not holding out on you. Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He's saying, whoever accuses you, whoever treats you poorly, whoever, who, who, give, who cares? 
It is God who justifies. If God has justified you, if God has called you healed, if God has called you whole, if God has called you forgiven, if God has called you righteous, if God has given you purpose, he, he, he's above it all, amen? He's the one who justifies. Verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. When, when Jesus Christ came out of that grave, God made him high priest. And as a high priest, he makes intercession for us. I love that. You know, if, if Jesus, you know, I, you can think about this hypothetically. If Jesus had just died for you, if he had just died for you, his offering would have been the perfect offering. Right? You're, you're, and that offering would have, would have satisfied the debt for all of humanity. Anyone who, who pleaded the blood, who, who believed on Jesus as their Savior, would, would, would be forgiven. But Jesus didn't just die for us. He also, got, he also was resurrected for us. To make intercession for us, to, to, to stand in the gap for us, to be our great high priest. Not, so not only just that, that we would be set free, but that we'd be transformed and also empowered. Does that make sense? A lot of people just preach, you know, just, just their focus of salvation is just Jesus on the cross. But we need to see Jesus coming out of the grave. We need to see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. That, that is where our focus is today. Amen. Yes, we are forgiven. Yes, we are set free, but we're also transformed. We're also in Christ. Our focus should be on who we are in Christ. If, if, if teaching, if preaching, if, if whatever is, is putting the focus on you, who you are apart from Christ, that's flesh. It's not going to lead to freedom. It's going to lead to bondage. It's going to lead to condemnation. That's why at this church, we, we primarily preach on who you are in Christ. And, and don't be like, the, the, the world is not in Christ, right? So you should not be like, if the, if the world is thinking something's okay, and, and, and like people, you know, so-called Christians are going along with it, it it's, it's not okay. Does that make sense? The focus needs to be on in Christ. Amen? He makes intercession for it. Verse 35, I love this. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? He's saying nothing in the natural realm. Nothing that you can see with your eyes, you can hear with your ears, you can... Feel with your body. Nothing in the natural realm can separate us from Jesus. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, all these things, we are more than conquerors. Say more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. And that word more than conquerors, it's, it's one word in the Greek. It's hyper nikau. Hyper means to be extra. Say be extra. So be extra nikau. Nikau, it's, it's, it's where we get the word Nike. You know, my, my son Fisher loves Nike shoes, especially Michael Jordan Nike shoes. Nike, it's the Greek word for victory. So he's saying through the love of Jesus, 
We are super victorious. Super hyper. So be extra victorious. Say be extra. Victorious. Through him who loved us, we are super victorious through Jesus. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And I just thought he's saying nothing, nothing in the natural realm, nothing in the spiritual realm. There is not a single anything in the spirit for all eternity that can separate us from the love of Jesus. This is so powerful. Who we are in Christ, that he's in us, that, he, that we have a relationship with Jesus. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So in conclusion, I want you to say something with me. We're going to do a confession, okay? And it comes from this last bit of Romans 8. I love in verse 31 that he says, what then shall we say? And then he tells you in the next few verses what to say. So this is a great confession. You can say it with me. God is for me, not against me. God is not holding back. He freely gives me all things. I am justified by God Almighty. Jesus never stops helping me. Nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. I am super victorious. I am more than a conqueror. Jesus loves me. And that will never change. Amen. Awesome. That's a great confession. Anything from that, that should be what you say, what you believe, what you hold on to. Amen. All right, right now, Heather's going to come up here. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.